I don't know how to do anything 85%. I have to do it 125%. You have to make a commitment. You know, you can, these things don't happen. I mean, the hours that I spend researching and looking at Facebook or TikTok to make sure who I'm getting involved with or Googling and just making sure people can deliver on time, it's a commitment. It's not that it's hard, it's just that you have to commit to it. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Mentors on the Mic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Miller, a New York City native actress with credits in TV, film, commercials, and off-Broadway. And every week, I bring you an incredible mentor in entertainment, focusing on how they started and how they moved up to where they are today. Thanks for listening, and let the episode begin. All right, I'm in... Excited to introduce you to Bob Ellis. Bob is an American music executive and businessman. He was a manager for amazing artists like Diana Ross, who he later married, Rolling Stones, Ronnie Wood, Billy Preston, Meatloaf, Rufus, Chaka Khan. I mean, it just goes on and on. And even today, he's still winning gold records, which we talk about and there's so much there. I, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but it's nice to hear about his journey as well as like what's going on right now. What's he focusing on during this whole pandemic? And if you stick around at the end of the interview, I will tell you the very funny story as to how I met Bob. I think it's a great story. And I figured not to tell you in the intro, I'll tell you at the end. So if you're interested, stick around for that really cool story. And without further ado, welcome, Bob Ellis. Well, I always start usually with the same question, which is, what was your first role in the entertainment industry? I was an intern, okay, at a PR firm that represented Bill Holden. You don't know who that is. Famous actor. Well, did he go by William Holden ever? Yes. Or? Yeah, well, okay. To you, William, to me, Bill. Right. I went to Africa with him, to the Mount Kenya Safari Club, which he founded. So I was an intern in PR, and the Beatles and the Beach Boys were just, that's all people were talking about. Yeah. And they said, you know, you're 21 years old. Why don't you start a music department? Okay. PR-wise, not management, not agent, but PR. And so my first client was Billy Preston. Okay, a keyboard player. And he was signed to Apple Records and he was recording with the Beatles. You know, my sweet Lord, get back. I have gold records from all of them. We did everything that George Harrison did. We did the Bangladesh tour when they were breaking up. But we did, you know, I was at Abbey Rose and I was doing the PR for him. And six weeks as my first job, he said, you need to manage me. I got to get out of the Apple Records deal. And there was a guy called Klein. Can't think of his first name, but Klein was in charge of the Capitol Beatle Record Department. Mm -hmm. And James Taylor was signed to Apple. And Billy Preston was signed to Apple. So there was no way they were going to release either one of them. Mm. So... Because we were working so closely with George Harrison, I went to an entertainment firm, Mitchell Silverberg and Nup. I remember it like yesterday. Yeah. And we had a contract drawn up that would release him from Apple Records. Mm. But it was made out to George Harrison. 
who theoretically was the owner of Apple with the other three Beatles. And so we went to Henley-on-Thames, where George lived, stayed overnight, and said, George, come on, let us get out of the contract. And he signed it. And nobody questioned the signature. When I got back to Los Angeles, we signed Billy to A&M. And I had a hit song called Will It Go Round in Circles? Wow. Made a record deal two days later. First single went to number one. Amazing. And that was the beginning. And that was your beginning of you being like a manager. Yes. Amazing. And did you ever go back to PR after that? I mean, obviously there's a lot of PR that didn't. No, I hired. Manager. You hired people. Yeah. I, I was lucky enough to hire PR. Yeah. Nice. Well, you still have that mindset, I feel like. Like, you still think about that stuff, I feel like, with your clients. Uh, it's like my gift. It's my yeah. hub. It's my, you know, it's my pleasure, you know. I mean, yeah. I follow Instagram and trends. I try and figure out trends. Yeah. And that's why driver's license and Olivia just blew me away. I mean, so it's, fascinating. You know, Dua Lipa makes a lot of noise. Yeah. Mike makes a lot of noise. Lana yep. Del it makes a lot of noise. I mean, yeah. This girl comes somewhat like a Billie Eilish song, a little bit of Taylor Swift. TikTok made her a star. Yeah, well, that and I think a lot of it's the story behind Olivia. People loved the fact that she was this girl. I mean, she wasn't completely unknown. She had been on this Disney show, but, but they loved of, the idea of... All of them come from the Disney shows. Yeah. You know, there must be a hundred, but I we know... know Christina Aguilera, you know, we know the big names, Justin Timberlake, whoever it is. We know only the 10 stars, but they have 5,000. So you have to break out of that. Oh, yeah. To, you know, and so, yes, she's got that Disney experience, which is like going to Harvard, you know. Right. I have released records after records after records. And the best is... When we when we used to when there were program directors and it wasn't one station, we would release a record and then for the publishing reasons we'd have a B side, you know, going yeah. back forty fives or you, you, there was always a you know another side to the record, and we'd put all the money into the video, and right. of course the hit record was the B side, the one that we didn't expect, and it right. got played accident and then it just mushrooms from there, so. As good as she is, as good of a story, it's luck. It's yeah. been at the right place at the right time and yes. time. The song, in my opinion, only me. I mean, I love the song. I love the concept. But, you know, Miley Cyrus and, and, and all of these other young people, you know, are coming out with great material. It's just, you know, the way we shuffle down and they, and they make it. This girl is a star. I yeah. mean... I wish I could figure it out. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, so let's let's go back to you. Let's give more history. So Billy Preston. So what was after that? Like, what was your, you know, after you got that number one with him, what was the next step? Believe it or not, Billy Preston's band, okay, found a girl in Chicago in a club. And I was friends with the band members of Billy Preston, Bobby Watson and Tony Maiden was the bass and guitar player. And they took me to a club in Chicago when we were on tour and Shaka Khan was singing. And so the band was called Rufus. Okay. And 
time it was just Rufus, and then it became, to keep her happy, I did Rufus and Shaka Khan before she just went out on her own. Right. And we were in the recording studio, and because she could hit notes that very few people could hit and not, and not make a mistake, we happened to be in the hit factory of La Cienega Boulevard in Los Angeles, and through the walls, Stevie Wonder could hear her singing and came in the studio and would talk to her in notes, mm. you know, and he'd say, tell me something good. And she'd answer him in a note. And then he said, tell me something good. <laughs> and he'd answer him. She's a songwriter, too. And she answered him. And before you knew it, we turned the machine on and he wrote the first single which went to number one before we even finished the record. Oh, my God. And he was flirting with her. It's uh, 40 years ago, at least, you know. And so now I have Billy Preston and Shaka Khan. And then I got a call, ironically enough, from uh, Meatloaf. I said, why not? So, I, you know, it was all meant to be. So bad out of hell. He, what, what was that meeting like with Meatloaf? Like, how did you, like, did you sit down? Did you hear his music? Do you just meet him as a person? Or like, well, every, everybody knew his music, music. You either liked it or you didn't like it. It mm -hmm. was kind of like Tommy or what are some of the other rock operas that are pretty good? It was Jim Steinman is an incredible songwriter. You know, you took the words right out of my mouth while I was kissing you, all revved up with no place to go. A pair of dice, a pair of dice, not paradise, by yeah, the dashboard lights, light. the old 56 Thunderbirds and, and Fairlanes, the, those dice that you... So it was a pair of dice by the dashboard lights, total eclipse of the heart. You know, there's more if I, if I think about it. There's yeah. so many songs, so... Meatloaf had never toured after his album went number one. It was on the charts in England for three years straight, a top 20. So we moved to London and decided we would kick off the tour in England. In the meantime, I'm still married to Diana. I'm still traveling with the children, taking care of Billy, taking care, going on the Stone Store in 1977. Oh my and God. because I'm Got a little name for myself, a little name. A little Dave, name, I'm sure. Yeah, well, a little. No, 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 but Irving Azoff and David Geffen, these are guys that are the, the what would you call them, the Steve Jobs of the music business. I was never like that. I mean, they made the rules. But you still have to have a name for yourself to get the kind no. of people you were getting. I mean, Meatloaf doesn't yeah. just call anyone. No, no, no. And then on the way, I had the Stranglers, which was a group from England. Yeah. Um, during the cure, you know, we did very well. I I only managed them in the guy that managed them in Europe and England wouldn't try, wouldn't fly. So I they gave so we had a reciprocal agreement. So I would take care of the states and he would take care of Europe. You know, unless it was a, a big a tour or something. But he took care of a lot of my business and we had a great relationship. And that's how it grew. It grew and grew and grew until one day uh, Steve Jobs came up with the iPod <laughs> and streaming. Yes. And it was over. Yeah. What was over specifically? Like the touring aspect of it or just the industry itself was just the different? Touring, I had outgrown touring, you know. I used to love to get on a tour bus or on a plane. You know, you're packed, you unpack, you kind of get into it. 
but it got old. Then we had the cell phone and then we had streaming and we didn't have any of that in 78. Right. You know, we, yeah. we had to find things to do because the television went off at 11. And I'm, and I'm sure you did find things to I think I remember you telling me this when we first met, but what was your favorite or one of your favorite Rolling Stone touring stories? Let's see. That's a good question. I have to think about it for a second. Think about it. I, I want to add to that. I took Ron Wood from, he was part of Faces. Faces was Rod Stewart's band. Oh. And Woody was the lead guitar player. And Faces was not what it was. He went out on his own, just like everybody else goes out on their own. And so Mitt Taylor, who was the guitar player for the Stones, I was doing backup recording when I was in England. When I wasn't recording with the George Harrison, we were doing the Stone Sessions. Mm. And so Billy was doing the Stone Sessions. So they asked Billy to go on tour and play the keyboards. So they were trying out guitar players. And I was friends with Wood, Ron Wood in Los Angeles. And um, I was able to get him on the Stones tour as a sideman. Today, he's a full, now he's a full, full, a full member of the Stones. Yeah. And then I did a book for his artwork. Have you ever seen Ron Wood's artwork? I haven't. I have to check yeah, it out. He's incredible. Wow. And he, nobody can paint the stones like he can or Eric Clapton or the pictures wow. that we're able to go to lithographs with. No, it's really, a, it's, a, it's a great story. It's worth looking at for I anyone will. listening. In his free time, he was one of those people that could sketch and draw, and it was magic. I mean, it was, you know, it was just magic what he could do with a pen and pencil. And that's kind of it. Then I got, you know, then I got involved because I had a relationship with a New York City promoter. And Woody and I opened a club on 2nd Avenue called Woody's on 2nd Avenue and about 10th Street. And we had, this is as I, as I grew up, we had the Spin Doctors, Dave Matthews, we had, you know, I mean, it yeah. was just the Chili Peppers. This is all when they were playing oh, clubs. Right. And Live Nation was booking it. And all I did was run the bar and the room. So it worked out well. And then I got the Hammerstein Ballroom. Got a liquor license for that. And then I got the Marquee. And then Live Nation bought the operation when Delsner, Slater, and everybody, you know, they were all individual promoters. Yeah. Very similar to, let's call it Uber. Uber doesn't own anything, right. except that they own all of the drivers. So what they were doing is they, they tied in every outdoor theater, which became Live Nation. Mm. So every outdoor theater in America is run by Live Nation. So when you book the summer, you only have to go to Live Nation. And Live Nation has done the Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga movie where they had to close that yeah. and they bought management companies rock nation and they bought all these big managers that have the groups and of course nobody can tour and so everybody's on furlough so the whole industry has changed michelle everything has changed i remember i mean when we met an year and a half ago we were talking about all the changes but it's changed even more dramatically oh, this year now you know you can't tour nothing There's yeah money in royalties, unless you're a superstar like Olivia, 
you know, where you're getting that many hits, where you, you know, and you have the publishing and you produce it and you're the songwriter, but you have 150 million downloads to see any real money. And then if you're lucky, everybody had the lips, you know, the T-shirt and Pink Floyd and, you know, those have become classic T-shirts, but who's, you know, they buy merchandise at at the concerts. Mm. You know, would I, I would go back and buy one of the old T-shirts to be cool. They're washed out, you know, <laughs> lips or Led Zeppelin yeah. or Stairway to Heaven or yeah. I don't know if you remember. The, you, anyway, there's no yeah. more merchandise. There's no touring and, and there's very little income that's coming in because of the pandemic. I got involved with a chef. Yeah. Okay, and lives in your area. His name is Chef Roble. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds really a, familiar. He had a show on uh, Bravo for the highest yes. rated on Bravo. He was a character. He's still a character. Yeah. And me into some products. And it led me into some other businesses. Yeah, no, no, it's just totally different. I mean, now YouTube, producing a YouTube show, you know, with food involved, you know, it's it's kind of, everybody's cooking at home. So I was in the right place at the right time when I got involved with this chef. Now I have 10 chefs. And so, you know, we're doing we're doing other things. I feel like you and, could say that a lot for yourself. Like I was always in the right place at the right time. Going back, well, because I'm curious, because you still, I think, manage artists and stuff. How do you manage all like the different personalities and stuff? Like, or at least at a given time, you know? Every person, I think, you know, it's, they're obviously, it's a whole career you're trying to work on. So how do you how do you juggle that? How do you how do you make sure everyone feels like they're top priority, even if you have a lot of sort of balls in the air? You know, you have to be available and it's you can't do anything. I don't know how to do anything 85 percent. Mm. OK, I have to do it 125 percent. You know, if I'm at the gym, I'd have that same attitude. I feel the competition. I played football, I played baseball. I'm, I'm, I enjoy it. You have to make a commitment. You know, you can, these things don't happen. I mean, the hours that I spend researching and looking at Facebook or TikTok to make sure who I'm getting involved with or Googling and just making sure people can deliver on time. It's a commitment. It's not that it's hard. It's just that you have to commit to it. Uh, There's a lot of babysitting involved. There's a lot of personal things involved. Yeah. So how was it managing, like speaking of kids and family and babysitting clients, like how was it managing family with your career, with all the different artists you represented? Well, when you're young, you know, you just can't, you know, you you get used to, it's like commuting on a plane. You know, I was never, I never sat still, you know, for very long, especially during the summers when the touring was, everybody was touring at the same time. Got it. You know, so, so it was difficult. It was, it was. But I liked what I did. So it was, you know. Yeah. Did the kids ever go on tour with you guys when they were little or? Oh, they always went on tour with Diana. Yeah. Always. Oh, that's nice. Always. She never left him behind. Not once. And her mother used to travel with us. And then, of course, my daughter, Tracy, got recognized and, and has, my, of course, all of my traits. Maybe her mother's talents, but she certainly has my mother has my personality. There's just no doubt about it. And she's become a big star in today's huge. world. Huge. I feel like just getting bigger and bigger every year. It's just incredible. Whatever she touches, she lands on her feet and it's the right move. But she's very smart. 
All the yeah. kids went to Brown University, except for my younger daughter, who's got a master's degree from Georgetown. But, Amazing. Uh, you know, they're, Incredible. They're, they're all down to earth. I'm not, but they You're are. You're not. <laughs> They didn't get that part from you. No, no, no. They, they certainly I would say did. you're down to earth. No, I am. I am. I'm only kidding. I know. No, no. My listener, all... like the listeners might not know. So I had to clarify. I was like, oh, no, yeah, but he's down to earth. They're all grounded. They're all grounded. Knock on wood. Yeah, very, knock on wood. I'm lucky. I'm yeah. lucky. Well, you were also part of that. I mean, you guys both were. Like, I there's want something to, to be I, said. I think yeah. I was. Yeah, of course. You know, I want to think I was, especially in the early years, you know, right up until they went off to college. Well, those are formative. Yeah, I can't see them now because they're in Los Angeles. No, I feel really bad about it. Have you not seen them this entire time? I saw them for two weeks in August when they opened the house up in Greenwich. Yeah. I get the chance to be with everybody. But the thing is now in the summer, I'm busy. So, I mean, I spent as much time as I could and took it off. Um, to be with, because I have a new grandbaby that I only saw in August. It's yeah. going to be. I spoke to her yesterday. It's going to. She's going to be already fifteen months. I mean, I don't know where the time flies. Oh my god! I have a question because I remember not too long ago you sent me, a, and we don't have to talk about it if you're not allowed to, because sometimes you don't know what you tell me and what you're not allowed to tell people. But I know you got like a gold record recently. What was it for? For drip for for a big drip. Drip, right. Yeah, how is that? So you're still managing artists in a way, no, aren't you? No, I'm kind of a consultant and they mm. may be part of it. I had an idea with Fabio. He wears a lot of diamonds. He's hip hop to the T. And so he spends a fortune on them. I happen to have a friend that has a, a jewelry business, Genevieve Jewelry is a shout out. And it looks like Harry Winston or Tiffany but they're all a special rhinestone mm. uh, made in a certain country. And you can't tell the difference between his diamonds and Tiffany's diamonds. Wow. So we're just playing around with some of the, you know, we have a devil out of diamonds. We have some of the things that Favio wears, we're duplicating it so you don't spend a fortune on it. And anybody could wear it. A lot of it's just an it's an idea that I had, and I'm going to have Fabio cooking, you know, with a chef because he doesn't. Selena Gomez has her show, and she doesn't know how On to HBO. cook. On HBO, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I keep Ludacris, hearing about it. And Ludacris has got a new show on the Food Network on how to cook. And Snoop Dogg has that thing with uh, Martha Stewart. That's the ultimate show that got me started. Yeah, and I cannot watch that show without absolutely laughing you know when he opens the refrigerator it wraps he's got rap music when she opens the refrigerator you know it's got classical music he gets her stoned i mean she's the best two icons you know teaming up i'll never be able to duplicate it and trust me i've thought of every possibility it's just brilliant and snoop dog you know i named my dog 20 years ago after snoop Oh. So I have a Westie. Yeah. No, no. I'm, I've been a big fan of Snoops for 25 years. So I love the show and I love new things. Two different worlds really works in my eyes because that's, you know, that's kind of where I'm always trying to collaborate rather than to do it on my own. Right. I love that because I love that that, you know, it seems like it really inspires you. I, the things that inspire me today are different, you know. And so, yeah. you know, I've got a lot of time in creating, I don't want to do anything ordinary. 
Yeah, it seems like, I mean, obviously it's very obvious during all this hearing your journey, but just in general, you're constantly like evolving with the times. Like you're definitely always inspired by what's going on right now. So let me ask you a question. So with the evolution, when we talked a little bit about it with Olivia's record and just like what's going on right now with TikTok, but what do you think of the evolution of music from, you know, back in that day to, to everything in between and now? What would you, what, what are some things we'll you've ever, seen? I don't yeah. think we'll have a Pink Floyd again. I don't think we'll have a, you know, a Who, a Led Zeppelin. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I just don't, I don't think the engagement it's not the same. I mean, and then that's not fair because Billie Eilish certainly did it. But then the virus, you know, she sold out everywhere. everywhere. You know, she was a trend there for a minute. She won seven Grammys. You know, you can't do, do any better than that. I think that I think there's very it doesn't seem like they're sustainable. Like we never get tired of hearing Stairway to Heaven. We never get tired of hearing Marvin Gaye, what's going on, you know or Sexual Healing by Marvin, or yeah. a Stevie Wonder song. The songs are good today. It's almost like it's hard to recreate what we know of as classics. There's just not that many more classics, you know, from yeah. one's life. I mean, the Beatles, they just, they never get tired to me. Those songs imagine, you know, and all you need is love. I mean, that's 50 years ago, man. I yeah. mean, you know, and they're still being covered. John Bon Jovi did a Beatles song for the Joe Biden administration. It was awful, but it was, but he did a Beatles song. So even he's aware that he needs to do something that people, their lyrics are so, if you reinterpret them, they're still current today. Yeah. I don't know that Cardi B or or Meg, Megan the Stallion or, or, I mean, Jay-Z and Nas and, you know, these are one of a kind guys. And I guess in that in the hip hop world, Jay Z and Nas, twenty others are what the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin were to rock and roll. I don't know. Dell comes in and out of my life. I you love know, her. we all love her, but we don't yeah. get enough of her, which is good. Where I get yeah. too too much of Celine Dion for a moment there. You know, and she's not Cher. She's not Diana. You know, she's not Bed Midler. You know, they all had unique personalities and unique voices. And has there a share that's come out lately? You know, is there an evolving artist that will ever become a classic like Cher? I don't know, Michelle. I really don't know. I think the internet has something to do with it. I think that we all have our a way of passing time. You know, somebody likes TikTok, somebody likes Instagram. You know, I think that Facebook is like for older people, you know, baby boomers now. Records are being broke on TikTok, not on Spotify, not on, you know, they want to see what they're getting. And some of these kids have 25 million followers. And uh, have more. I mean, I think TikTok, one of them has 100 million. Let's just do a couple more questions. Let's do a speed round at the end of my episode. Okay, you got it. Fire away. Who were your mentors or who was someone that was a mentor for you? David Geffen. He was dating Cher when I was dating my ex. He also was an intern. He started Geffen Records and he started, you know, the one of the theaters at Lincoln Center is named after David Geffen now. Yeah. And then he started the film business with Spielberg and Katzenberg, you yeah. know, 
I think that Barry Gordy, I learned a lot from, you know, in the early days. He was absolutely always made the right decision. He'd have to think about it. He just didn't blurt out an answer. But I mean, the way David conducted business, I mean, his he could work 15 hours a day. He could work 24 hours a day. So those that kind of putting your whole heart and soul into it came from Barry and from David and from Irving Azoff. I mean, these are, yeah. he was just inducted into the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, I mean, this is, you know, he managed everybody. Shep Gordon, you know, from Alice Cooper and Teddy Pendergrass. Shep was an incredible mentor. And then he got into Shep, whatever he touched, he could turn around great HBO or Showtime uh, special on Shep. Yeah, these are the people that mentored me. Love it. And what's your definition of success? Be happy. It's a good one. You know, I see these kids go through money today. And, you know, when you go to number one, there's only one place to go. You can only go one place and you're as only as good as your last record. And so... I love that. They have to learn. (laughs) You can't want, want, want. You have to, you know, you have to find other things that make you happy. I mean, you grow out of them, but you have to find something else that makes you happy. Yeah, I'm Uh, I'm reading a book right now, but it's that the central premise is stop, you know, trying to achieve success so you can be happy. Start with being happy. Yeah, you have to. You really do today, especially during this pandemic. I mean, you know, we're all going stir crazy. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? You have to be happy. I mean, you have I have to figure it out. You have to figure out what makes you happy. Yeah, you know, and go for it. And go I for mean, it. I mean, just don't do it half-assed. If I ride my bike, I do it all the way. If I go to the gym, you know. 125%. I just always do everything 125%. Uh, what advice would you give to people who want to either get to where you are or want to get in the industry in some way? Well, You know, the entertainment business took a big hit with this pandemic. And everybody thinks that with Instagram and with uh, TikTok followers, you know, I started to tell you that if you have 100,000 followers, now you have an agent, you have a manager. You know, I I spoke to somebody with with 100,000 followers in Miami and they don't want to come out of the house because they're recognized all the time. And I go, oh, my God. I mean, really, $2,000 a post? I started all of this. So, you know, I mean, I'm fascinated with the attitudes of half these people that have followers. It's a false sense. You know, just because you have followers doesn't mean you have a career out of it. You know, you're going to be in and out of success as quickly as you got into it. So I think a lot of these kids have a talent and that's why they get the 25 million likes or, you know, or they get an audience fascinated with some of the people that have that have that personality that you can't put your finger on and that's why they are where they are you know tiktok celebrities or instagram you know people that want to follow them i don't know the answer though i gotta tell you i don't know what makes them different i know who they are i discover every other day if as soon as i figure out the formula i'll sell it yeah but i don't know what the formula is yet Fair enough. <laughs> All right. I mean, that's pretty much it. You were so fantastic. This has been great. It's a long time in the making. What a cool guy, right? Uh, I, as promised, want to give you this really great story as to how I met Bob. So I was online 
Uh, I was online for a Hampton Jitney in New York in a, the summer of 2019, I believe, a year and a half ago. And I got sort of this tap on the shoulder and someone asked me if this was the right bus for the Hamptons. And I was like, yeah, you know, didn't think much of it. And somehow he got to talking, which I guess happens sometimes. Um, and, you know, he was very nice and we were going back and forth. And at one point he said, oh, so what do you do? And I was like, oh, I'm an actress. And he goes, oh, my daughter's an actress. I was like, oh, great. You know, I've had this conversation before. So I was like, oh, you know, L.A., New York, somewhere else. He's like, L.A. I was like, oh, great. Any Anything I've been in, which is something, by the way, don't ask another actor, but you can ask a parent of an actor. And so he said, yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard of Blackish? I was like, yeah, of course I've heard of Blackish. Who, who's she in Blackish? It's like, oh, Tracy Ellis Ross. And all of a sudden it clicked. And I was like, oh, yes, you know, Yes, of course, I know Tracy Ellis Ross. She's incredible. She's a wonderful, wonderful actress, beautiful, huge, you know, style icon this this year, but just incredible actress. And we got to talking and he was really sweet. And we talked about acting and, you know, just career and, you know, entertainment. And this is the part I thought was funny. So <laughs> uh, the I had I had been on standby for this bus, right? So I had had a later ticket purchased and I was trying to get on the earlier time. And, and I got on the bus. And be before getting on, they stopped me. And I explained the situation. They're like, oh, you can't get on this stop. You have to go on the last stop, Midtown. And if we have empty seats, you can get on. But if not, you know, we're not able to accommodate this time. So I said to her, I was like, well, can I hang out on the bus until Midtown? And on 42nd Street, if I need to get off, I will. And she was like, no, no, no. You have to go find your way to Midtown. Hopefully make it before we get there. And if we have availability and and Bob was so nice, he was like, you know what, I'll save you a seat. You're, you're going to get on. I'm like, I'm going to get on. And uh, I remember they told me to take a taxi. And I was like, no, I know the city. I'm going to take the subway. And I got there with plenty of time to spare. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm at this bus stop in Midtown and thinking, you know, there's a really good chance that I'm seeing all these buses go by. I'm like, there's a good chance that before they got to Midtown, they had their bus filled. And they just probably maybe sent another bus to pick up the ones from Midtown or from lower locations. And lo and behold, after waiting for some time, the bus came and I got on and there's like one seat available. And of course, Bob had saved me a seat next to him. And we just chatted the entire time about just really great stories, you know, and uh, I knew he'd be great for this podcast because he really just knows the business so well and has really cool stories to share. So I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And uh, thanks again. Thank you so much for listening to Mentors on the Mic. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend in entertainment you know would love it. Let me know what you've learned or what stayed with you on our Instagram at Mentors on the Mic. I love reading your messages. Uh, you can also find me at, at Michelle Simone Miller on Instagram. On both accounts, I'll be sharing even more information about our mentors. Talk to someone about what you learned today who would really appreciate it and send them the episode. Also, if you love the show, please go ahead and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It really makes a huge difference in growing this. It makes it easier for people to find our podcast, and I love reading your reviews. So thank you so much, and I'll see you next week.